Have you ever uh, experienced something that you, like at the time it happened, you just couldn't believe that it happened? Like it just seemed so crazy, so far out there, so much like, like I, just, I just can't believe it. And, and then since that happened, it's just like you, you can't forget it either. Like you couldn't believe it, and now you can't forget it. Maybe you prayed for someone, and uh, o- over time, they like came to know Jesus, and, and maybe that was a long shot, and, and you're just like, man, I can't believe, and you get to see that life change happen. Maybe, maybe somebody had like a slim chance of survival, uh, and, and, and you prayed, and uh, you, you were there, maybe, and it, you know, it kind of beat the odds there. Um, Ray mentioned uh, spider uh, surgery this last Wednesday. Did have a, a triple bypass. They, I think they thought it was going to be quadruple, but triple, and, and anyway, came through, and he's in, in, re, in recovery. Uh, I see you still um, today in, in Wichita, but um, it's just like, like man, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Maybe you were at a place in, in, in your life, or you knew somebody, family member or friend, who was just like down and out, you know, like at the end of your rope, like you're ready to just give in, you're ready to just give up, um, and, and then just right at that moment, at just the, at just the perfect time, like, like God spoke to you, and, and maybe you, you, you heard that, you know, I've heard so many stories of, of, of people, like um, hotel rooms, and, and like ready to just end their lives, and, and they, they pick up that Gideon Bible, or they just, you know, like feel like God is speaking right to them, and just kind of everything changes, or, um, or, or, you know, you just, you're just feeling that way, and then somebody says something, or you said something to somebody else, it just turned everything around, and it was that moment that everything began to change. Maybe you received something, um, at, at just the right moment, it was unexpected, you, you didn't know it was coming, and then, and then you get it, and, and it's like everything changes. That, that, that actually happened to, uh, to me, to a- Andy and I. It was, it was late November, early December, I'm, I'm not really sure, I believe it was 2009, um, and, and life was just tough. We were... Um, uh, a couple years, two, three years into planting real life, and, uh, and I wasn't really making a, sa- a salary, uh, any money really to speak of. Um, Andrea was, was working uh, in the school district. She was a, a special ed teacher, but she was going to school for her, for her EDS, her educational specialist degree. And, and so she would be gone all day at, at work and then often would, would drive from the school uh, up to Emporia to ESU where she was taking classes. And so she was gone all day. Uh, and when she wasn't just gone teaching or, or learning, um, when she came home, she was up in the bedroom go, going over schoolwork and stuff. And and, and working on that, and it was just, life was just really difficult, you know, and the bills were just piling up, and like, we weren't sure we were gonna, we were gonna make it. I felt terrible, because I, I was like, well, I'm doing this preacher gig, you know, and I'm not really making any money from this, and so it's kind of my fault that we're in the financial position we're in, and um, it was just really, really rough, and, and I remember, um, one day I walked out to the mailbox and, uh, you know, 
if you've ever been in that situation before, you know that getting the mail is like no fun, right? Because it's just going to be a whole new pile of bills and people screaming at you for money. And you just, it's just not good. And so, you know, I just was I depressed as I walked out to the mailbox and I and opened the mailbox. I'm pulling out the, the bills, you know, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And, and in amongst the, that, that junk mail and, and, and people wanting money, um, there was a letter from my older brother. And that was really weird, I remember, because like, he never writes letters. Like, we just don't do that. Um, and so, never writes letters. And so I thought, this is really strange. Why is he sending me this letter? And so I'm walking uh, back up to the house slowly, and I, and I open the, the letter, and um, there, there is a, a little note in there, uh, you know, like a little sticky note. And, and it just says, you know, I don't remember, I like, hope you're doing well or something. And um, on, the, on the backside of the sticky note was a check, uh, a check for $3,000. And uh, well, I don't have any idea how he knew, like, what our situation was and what was, what was going on. Um, but that was, like, one of those moments, right? Like, I, I'm walking up the driveway, and I'm, and I'm looking at this, and my, at my eyes are filled with, I'm just like, I cannot believe this. And, and, and not only did that um, money allow us to uh, like recoup some of the debt that we had been getting in from, you know, credit cards and stuff, because we just weren't making it. Um, but we were going into Christmas and I was like, you know, we're not, not going to have any money to buy Christmas presents for our kids. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden we're able to, to do that a, a, a little bit. And, and, and all of that was great. But, but I remember the biggest issue, uh, the biggest thing that that that, that 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 money did was it, it gave us hope. We were like, hey, um, G- God's aware of our situation and, and he's working. He, he's involved in what's going on. And I, and, and, and I remember, uh, you know, t- tears in my eyes going into um, Andrea and, and I, like I just handed her this, like here, I don't even tell you what's like, you just got to see it uh, for yourself. And, and, and we just, you know, it was just that overwhelming sense of like, like we're going to make it, you know? And, and it's like everything kind of changed at that moment. And when it wasn't that, you know, we didn't have any problems after that, but, but there was that, that moment where you feel like, okay, like God is involved with me, like God is here and he's helping. And you ever experienced a, a, a moment that just didn't seem real at the time, but, then, but everything changed in, in that moment? When the Holy Spirit came, just as Jesus promised he would, it was both, it was both unbelievable and it was unforgettable. It, it, was, an, it was an odd time for um, the, the followers of Jesus, right? So if you're a, a follower of Jesus in, in this um, day and at this time, like lots of things have happened in a, in a very short window of, of time. So um, the, the disciples are following Jesus and he's healing people and he's casting out demons. He's feeding thousands of people at one time. And, and, and they're feeling like, you know, everything that we hoped and dreamed for the Messiah and for our lives, like that's coming true. Like everything is, is great. Like everything's turning up roses. This is amazing. And, and soon Jesus is going to take his place as king of Israel and we're going to get to rule with him in, in this new kingdom. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And then Jesus is arrested. 
And, and it's overnight, literally overnight, like everything changes. Like they find out that their, their, their spiritual, like where they're at spiritually isn't where they thought they were um, in the garden praying with Jesus. And then, and then he gets arrested. And like the disciples just, they, they scatter. And it's like the light turns on and they just flee. They run away. Like these men who would carry on Jesus' ministry after his ascension just abandoned him at the cross. Um, and, and, and really, like John is, is mentioned um, as being there when Jesus died, but, but nobody else. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, um, Mark is like just leaves everybody out. Like the disciples just weren't around. They weren't involved. They weren't following. They just had scattered. They, they hid out literally like fugitives because that's how they felt. The, the religious leaders had mounted this um, campaign to, to not just capture, but then to kill Jesus. And, and as his followers, they felt like they were the next target, like they're going to be next to be captured and maybe even be killed. And, and so they were afraid that what had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. And, and so they just, they scattered. And, and that's where they were when Jesus comes back to life. And, and the women kind of go and it's in, in, you read this story in Matthew and, and, and Luke, it, it, it's like it all just kind of happens and it it's kind of feels like there's this nice little bow on it, but that's not the reality of the, of the situation. In fact, only a few of the disciples were together. Like some of them were leaving the, the country, the area. They were just like, we're just getting out of Dodge, right? They're just taking off. And, um, and, and so Jesus comes back to life from the grave and, and the disciples were excited about like that who wouldn't be excited about that right okay we know you said you were going to do this but you act like we didn't think you would actually do it and now you've done it and it's crazy and we can't believe that and they were so excited that Jesus was alive but they were still afraid like that that fear of the religious leaders and and and, and what happened to Jesus that that fear was still very real for them. And so um, what you see in the story in the Gospels is that the disciples, even after the resurrection of Jesus, they're, they're, they're moving around quietly. They're, they're not causing problems. They're not talking. They're not sharing. Like, like they're, just, they're just kind of there. In fact, you, you would think that the 40 days that Jesus is with them from, from his resurrection to his ascension, there's actually 50 days in that time period, but there were 40 days that Jesus was actually around and with them and, and even with as many as 500 people at a time. And, and you would think that would be like a big excitement and all of this stuff would be happening. But, but the, the gospel writers, the, the, the biographers of Jesus' life, it's like almost, it happens very quickly. Like, yeah, um, Jesus showed himself to the disciples and a few other people into into, into Peter and John or whatever, but and then to 500, and then that's it, and they move on. And you're like, wait a minute, this dude came back to life, like there should be whole chapters on those 40, like there should be a whole book just about those 40 days, because that's incredible, and there's hardly anything about it. We don't read anything really about about exactly what went, I mean, there's a few little stories and, and that's it. And I, the disciples were just, were scared. And so everybody was kind of keeping a low profile. But during those 40 days, like the longer Jesus was with them, the more they believed that now was the time for Jesus to stage his coup. That's what they'd been waiting 
to happen. Like they were waiting for Jesus to overthrow both the Roman occupation in Israel and the, the kind of the religious rule and control that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin had over the country. And they, they, they like the longer Jesus, they're like, now it's time. And we looked at that last week in chapter one of, of Acts where the disciples are like, Jesus, are you now going to assert your role as king? And are you going to overthrow the Romans? Are you going to take control of Israel? Are you going to make all the nations bow down? Like, are you going to do that now? They still did not understand what Jesus had said, that his kingdom was not of this world. And so the, the writers kind of gloss, like it's really quick, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on. So let's jump into uh, Acts chapter 2 today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. He's talking about the disciples now. They've been quiet. They've been scattered. They, they haven't been doing much. It's been a few days since the ascension of Jesus back to the Father, and, and they've come together, they're in Jerusalem as Jesus told them, and they're kind of waiting, right? That's what we talked about last week. They're not working, they're not wandering, they're, they're just waiting there for this Holy Spirit to come, which they don't really understand. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, that's a key point, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be, it appeared like, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, Luke starts out in, in chapter 2 by marking the day. It's the day of... Pentecost, and I think he, he wants to make us like pause for a second and go, okay, what's, it's the day of Pentecost, and, and, and maybe you're like, who cares, was that Tuesday or third? Because I don't know what Pentecost is, I don't even know uh, what that is. So the day of Pentecost was a big day for, for the Jewish people. It was a, a day, and really the beginning of a seven-day stretch, where the people celebrated and commemorated the law given to, um, through Moses to the Israelite people on Mount Sinai, okay? So we remember the story, uh, God rescues the people out of, Exod uh, out of Egypt and he brings them into the desert and then at Mount Sinai, God calls Moses up to the mountain and he gives him um, the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Specifically, um, it, it's, the, uh, it's the covenantal relationship between God and the people of Israel, right? So this is the legal document that says if, if you follow these rules, if you obey these things, then God says, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. So that's a big deal in the nation of Israel, like in their history, that's a, that's a big deal. And so Pentecost was the day, it was really seven days, where they celebrated and remembered, commemorated the giving of the law to Moses because that was where their relationship with God came from. Now, Pentecost is partly important because Pentecost happens seven weeks after Passover. 
And, and Passover was a whole other festival, again, seven days, a yearly festival where the Jews celebrated and commemorated their exodus from, from Egypt, specifically the last of the 10 plagues. If you remember VBS or whatever, read Exodus and you hear all the plagues that God uh, brought against Egypt in order to get Egypt and Pharaoh specific to, specifically to release the Israelite people. And so the last plague was the death of the firstborn male of every household. So um, that, that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of death going on. And in order to um, be exempt from that plague, Moses told the people, the Israelites and the Egyptian people, like there were a lot of Egyptian people that, that did this, okay? It wasn't just the Israelites. But Moses said, this is going to happen, and the firstborn son of every household is going to die unless you take a lamb and, and, and you spill its blood, and you take the blood, and you paint it on the doorpost, the sides, and the lintel across the top of the door of your home. And if you paint the blood on the door, when the plague comes in and comes over Egypt and Israel, any door that has any home that has the blood on the door, that plague is going to pass over that house. It's going to skip that house, right? So there we get the word um, Passover. And so the blood of this lamb protected the family in that house from this plague and um, from, from death. Now, what's really cool about that, I think, is that so uh, years later, 600 or so years later, uh, Jesus is coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the baptizer. And as John sees Jesus coming, he makes, he makes this statement. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's no surprise that Jesus was killed and his blood was shed at Passover. So again, remember the story that the, the Jews, the women, and, and uh, Nicodemus and Joshua had to get Jesus' body off the cross quickly and into the grave because the next day was not only, it was called a high Sabbath. It was not only a Sabbath, a Saturday, but it was the beginning of Passover. So the blood of Jesus protects us from death and sin that comes, the death that comes from sin. You get the connection there? That's pretty crazy. <laughs> okay? So Jesus has come into Jerusalem for Passover. And then he is killed and his blood is shed. And then seven weeks later, 49 days, and then 50 days is the Pentecost. And Jesus comes back to life three days. And then he spends 40 days with the disciples. And then he's taken up in, into heaven. He ascends into heaven. The disciples have been on their own for a few days. And they're together again in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, the giving of the law to the Israelite people. But if we go way back to the prophet Jeremiah, during the time of Israel's exile to Babylon, we read th these words from the prophet. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So this is not the covenant from Mount Sinai with the law, but a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It's not like the old covenant in the law that I made with the fathers. This covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, he said, is different. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be my God and they will be my, I will be their God and they will be my people. So it's a restatement of the same covenantal relationship between God and people, but it's not based on laws that are written on stone, in particular the first 10 commands, right? This is the most important. We know those the, the best. Not the first 10 commands, but he says it's not about the laws written on stone. Instead, I'm going to write my law on their hearts. It, it's, so what that means is it's not this law that we follow and we go, okay, to check all the boxes, I got to avoid this and I got to not do that. But he says it's going to be in their hearts, which means we're going to want to obey the law, not because of punishment, but because of, of love. Like I have the laws on my heart. It means I, the laws of God are a part of me. And, and what I do in my life comes out of this relationship and this law that I have written on my heart. So I'm not afraid of the punishment that comes from these laws written on stone. Instead, I love God as my father and, and I want to obey and, and do what he's called me to do. Just, there's a difference there, right? I, I, I have to obey my parents because if I don't, I'm going to get time out or spanked or my toys are going to be taken away or I'm going to lose my like screen time or whatever versus um, I love my parents and I know that they want the best for me and so I'm going to do what they want me to do. There's a big difference. Luke wants to make it absolutely clear that what's happening in Acts 2 is a fulfillment of God's promises that were laid out in the Old Testament and all of the Jews would have known about those. So Holy Spirit comes and indwells these scared followers of Jesus who've been sneaking around trying not to get caught by the religious leaders. That's what's happening when Holy Spirit comes. But what the followers were trying to avoid in that moment the Holy Spirit actually makes happen. And, and so we're told by Luke, the writer of Acts, that a, a violent wind came from heaven. A violent wind came from heaven. This was unlike any other wind in the city of Jerusalem. Now, if you're a um, city like, like here in El Dorado, um, we know about storms coming, when the wind blows, which direction it's coming from, and, and, and we know what wind direction causes the storms and brings the storms into our, into our area. Uh, and so like you've been around for a while, like you just know, oh, it's this, the wind is out of the north or whatever. I don't have to worry about that. That's cold air coming down from, from Canada. But if the winds are coming out of the south, that's hot air coming up from the, the gulf. And so that's when the hot air and the cold air and they mix and we get the storms. And we kind of understand um, where the wind, uh, what's going on based on where the wind comes from. This was, this was different. Luke says that the, that the wind, this violent wind came not from the north or south or east or west, but it came from heaven. 
And where's heaven? Like that's heaven's there, right? That's the firmament up above. And, and so this wind, instead of coming from the sides over the city of Jerusalem, it came from above and it came down on the house where the disciples were and it rushed through, in my opinion, it came down and rushed through the streets of Jerusalem. And the people that were there in the city could tell where it was coming from. It was, there was some was something special about it they knew where it happened and they went there like what's going on we haven't ever experienced this kind of wind before let's go check it out that's what we do right you hear a siren or you're like like here in Kansas if you're joining us online you don't know about this but um, when the tornado sirens go off in El Dorado uh, we go to the porch Um, because yeah Where's it coming from? I want to know. I want to see it. I want to know if I got to worry or not. I want to know if I could keep watching Jeopardy or if I got to go down. I, I got to know what to do. And, and so um, that's what happens. And so the, the, the sound of the wind, and it was this violent wind. It was, it, was not, it was not a breeze, okay? And so they went to see what was going on. And when they get to the house, what they find is that the disciples had, uh, their hiding had kind of come to an end. And instead of, of hiding, they came out of the house and began to preach. Now the cool thing about, about why this happened at, at Pentecost, not only was about the law and, and how we're, there's a fulfillment of this Jeremiah prophecy, right? Like, it's, it's not about the law anymore. It's about what God is doing inside of us through Holy Spirit. But also, because it was Pentecost, Jews were commanded by God. They didn't all follow it, but they were commanded to make pilgrimage back to Jerusalem um, several times every year to uh, celebrate, and commemorate these festivals. And one of the big ones was Pentecost. And, and so Jerusalem was filled with people, literally, from all over the world because Jews had made the pilgrimage to come back to Jerusalem and they had been there. Some of them had stayed from Passover to Pentecost. They'd seen all of these things happen leading up to the day of Pentecost and then Holy Spirit comes and these followers, Luke says, who um, remember there's another place in scripture where it says these are unschooled ordinary men. So the disciples were not um, primarily not schooled uh, beyond their uh, schooling in the Torah. Like they weren't smart. They didn't know a bunch of languages. They didn't have big high-paying jobs. They, they weren't executives and CEOs. They were, they were fishermen and tax collectors. And, and they were unschooled, ordinary. And, and yet when Holy Spirit comes and the people gather around this house where the noise was, they find that the disciples are speaking the gospel in their language. And, and, and so Luke says they, they come and they're like, What's going on? In fact, verse, verse 12, the, the people say, what does this mean? What, what does this mean? What is this, this wind that has come and we've never experienced this and the sound that was accompanying we show up and, and these guys, these ordinary guys are out and they're speaking to us in a language that we can hear and they're sharing about things that, that are blowing, like, what does this mean? And it's right here at this moment that Peter stands up and he proclaims what the Spirit is, is prompting within him. 
And so first, Peter lays the groundwork and, and ties what is currently happening to what was foretold long before um, by the prophet Joel. And, and we'll put that up on the screen, but I'm not going to read it, okay? But there are two things that I, that I want you to uh, understand that Peter is trying to communicate here in, in his first, it's like the first, it's the first gospel message of faith in Jesus ever preached in the history of the world, right? So this is a big deal. And there are two things that Peter is trying to communicate. Peter is giving the people first a framework through which to process what's happening. That's what he's doing by quoting the Old Testament in, in Joel. And that's why he mentions a couple times, I will pour out my spirit. He's saying, look, you, you got to understand what's happening today based on what happened or what was told hundreds of years ago. You've got to see what's going on today through the lens of, of, of what was told a long time ago because these things, are, these things are connected. This is the work of the Spirit, which God promised a long time, multiple times in the Old Testament. God talked about the Spirit. They didn't know what he was talking about, but he talked about um, and, and talk about that where the Spirit is, unexplainable things become normal things. And so I think that's the first thing Peter wants them to understand. Look, you, you've got to see this through the lens of this. And if you do, you'll understand that this Spirit, that we don't really completely, we haven't figured him out. But where the Spirit is present, unexplainable things are happening. And so Peter then ties uh, Passover and Pentecost together. And, and it's subtle. But the events of Jesus' death at Passover, just 50 days before this, would still be on the minds of the people who were there listening to Peter preach. And many of those people, maybe most of those people, would have witnessed the events of, of Jesus' arrest and uh, torture and the crucifixion, and then all of the unexplainable events surrounding that, they would have been there personally. And, and now they're here at Pentecost, and they're listening to, to, to Peter preach. And not only did those people see Jesus die, but this is the crazy part. It's hard to wrap our minds around it. That those people that saw Jesus die, many of them also saw him alive again. And now they're listening to Peter preach about, about this Jesus. And this would have been a perfect time, by the way, if you're a skeptic of, of the Bible and you're a skeptic of Jesus, this would have been a perfect time for somebody to stand up and go, uh, excuse me, I know where Jesus is. He's dead and he's right over there. But that doesn't happen. Why? Because many of the people who were standing there saw Jesus alive, not just the disciples. This is an incredible moment. Luke records uh, in, in the, 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 the scene of what was going on in his biography of Jesus' life in chapter 23. And he said it was noon and darkness came over the whole land until three. He's talking about the death of, of Jesus. He says the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then if you read um, Matthew in chapter 23, Matthew adds that the earth shook, that the rocks split, and, and this is a crazy one that nobody seems to talk about, but the tombs broke open, and many people who had died 
came back to life and walked into the city. Imagine, you think the videos of the soldiers surprising their family when they come back are crazy? <laughs> like, you've been dead for a month. <laughs> what, what is going on? Like, that's, that's just crazy. And, and to me, when I look at that and I look at what Luke is saying and what Peter is talking, I'm like, that sounds like wonders in the heavens and the earth, just like Joel spoke about. So in a way, Peter is saying that what is happening now is an extension of what was prophesied, and it all really is one event, and God has orchestrated it all together. See, Peter wanted the people to see that what God has promised, the Spirit was producing. And, and that is a crazy thing. See, the Holy Spirit always brings about what God begins. That's part of Holy Spirit's role. That's what he does. He always brings about what God begins. And so Holy Spirit will always carry out the will and the ways of God in the lives of his followers. He's constantly working situations and circumstances together to accomplish God's intentions. But the Holy Spirit has a, another role as well. And so let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel, Peter says, so he's still preaching. He's, he's given the Old Testament connection. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. So he's like, Jesus didn't do this in a vacuum. Like you all saw it. You can argue with me. Like now's a good time to argue with me, but you all, you all saw it. You yourselves know this. He says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, this is part of God's plan, you crucified you killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, though, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. I'm like, he's, he's really throwing that. I'm like, you, don't forget, you saw this. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, this is what's going on, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Your translation may say Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now I just want to make sure that you, um, that you catch it. This is Peter's gospel definition. This is literally the gospel of Jesus according to Peter. So if we go back to what we looked at in the very beginning of the year, there are four declarations of the gospel proper. And I'm just going to th throw these up and um, you can look at them. If you want to look at them more and kind of dive into it, they, they are... Uh, they're, they're here. Take a picture or something, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and I can I can put them online. You can email me, and I'll I'll, I'll give them to you. But um, but there are four gospel declarations: God, Kingdom, Jesus is the King, He's crucified, He's a resurrected King, and Peter kind of touches on all of those things. And and then aside from the four declarations of that Jesus says, like this is the gospel, Jesus gives us three responses 
to that gospel um, to repent and believe and follow. And, and Peter hits those as well. And so what we read here in Acts chapter 2 is that this is Peter's gospel. He's like, this is why I'm so excited about Jesus. Here it is. You got you to gotta know. And, and so what we need to know is this, that Holy Spirit's goal is the gospel. The Holy Spirit wants to get the gospel of Jesus out. He wants people to understand and to know who Jesus is. And so wherever the Spirit of God is present, the gospel is presented. If we go to John chapter 16, um, 13 and 14, Jesus said that the Spirit would guide his disciples into all truth, that he would speak only what he hears, and that he would glorify Jesus, right? So this is what the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper is going to do. The Holy Spirit loves to talk about Jesus, loves to point to Jesus, to see people come to know Jesus, because the Holy Spirit knows that it's only through Jesus, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, that lives are changed. And it's the truth of the gospel of Jesus that sparks that change in lives. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2, because the Holy Spirit's coming fulfilled prophecy. The good news about Jesus was proclaimed, and then lives were changed, and here's how we know, the last few verses of the chapter. Um, So Peter presents the gospel, he like ties the Old Testament, he presents the gospel, and then the people are like, wow, like what do we do with this? And then then Peter says that 3,000, or Luke says that 3,000 people were baptized in a single day. That's a... That's a big baptism, like spontaneous baptism ceremony. And so what, what you find at the end of Acts chapter 2 is like, so the Holy Spirit comes and all of this stuff happens and then here's the result of, what, of, of the Holy Spirit coming. Those people, those now 3,120 followers of Jesus, it, it grew by that much. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings. They were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the believers in Jesus now have gone from like the 12 disciples to, um, to, then, to 120 followers of Jesus and now 3,000. 3,000. Now there's 3,100, over 3,100, and they come from two different places. They were either part of that small 120 group who believed that Jesus was the Messiah and and believed that through his death and burial and, and resurrection, but they'd been hiding the last 50 days after after Jesus' resurrection, afraid of the Jews. So this 3,100, they were either part of that group or they were a part of the larger population of Jerusalem at the time when the feast who knew about Jesus. They'd watched what happened, maybe even shouted crucify him along with the religious leaders in front of Pilate. But they hadn't believed in Jesus 
before the resurrection. Right? So there are those who believe and there's those who didn't believe. And that's the group that is made up on the day of Pentecost. But when Holy Spirit comes and the gospel presented, lives were changed, literally overnight. And the cowards now had confidence. And the haters now had hope. And and these enemies were now allies in Christ. And because of their shared belief, they developed shared behaviors. We looked at that in the last series. Our belief affects our behaviors. And so they devoted themselves to grow in their faith together through teaching and fellowship and communion meals and prayer. They shared their lives together and their livelihoods with one another. They invited each other into their homes between their corporate gatherings at the temple. Holy Spirit's ultimate role is to enable followers of Jesus to look more like Jesus every day. That's that's what he wants. That's what he's working for. That's the role of Holy Spirit in our lives to help us look more like Jesus. And we can't do that on our own. But through the Spirit working in us, we can become more like Jesus and we can love God and love others like Jesus did. And just like that day uh, of Pentecost when Holy Spirit came to indwell the followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still at work today, bringing about what God begins in each and every one of us. Through us, the Holy Spirit is making the gospel message of Jesus get out and transforming us to look more like Jesus so that other people can hear about Jesus and experience that transformation themselves. And so today, um, whether you're here in person or online, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit wants to do in you exactly what he did to those first followers who were hiding and scared. He wants to give you boldness to share the gospel more and more so that more people will come to know Jesus just as you have. That's what he wants to do in us. He wants to give us boldness so that we can share that gospel message. But if you're part of that um, group that like doesn't believe, you're just not convinced And you've never surrendered to Jesus. Like those who heard Peter preach that day, the Spirit wants to lead you to respond to Jesus, to respond to the gospel, just like those first converts. And through repentance, which means recognizing your sin, rejecting that former life, and turning to God, you can shed your previous life. You can believe in Jesus as your king and then follow him with your whole life. And so if you are ready today to be a follower, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to come to that place, to surrender to Jesus and to make him your Lord and and King. And so after the service, I'm going to go back to the Connection Hub. And if you're like wondering about that and maybe wanting to make that decision, you come back and, and talk to me. And if you're online, talk with one of our live stream hosts and engage them with a, uh, in a chat or a time of, of prayer. And we've got some resources at church, so email us and we'll get that um, We'll get that to you and we'll be glad to do that because this is the goal of Holy Spirit, right? To change lives and to help us look more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you 
Not only that you saved us through your son, Jesus, you did what we were powerless to do, you did for us, and you made a way for us, not by our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus, and then you give that to us through faith, and um, and God's just an amazing thing you did, but, but you didn't just save us through Jesus, you gave us You gave us Holy Spirit to help us live each day looking more like Him. And and so you've given us everything we need. You've left nothing to chance and you've left nothing to us to try and do on our own. You've given everything to us. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you because you are such a good and loving God. You've taken care of everything. And so today, we just surrender ourselves. We submit ourselves to you and we thank you. We thank you for loving us and for calling us to be a part of your family. And for those today who maybe aren't sure or like, ah, man, God, the Holy Spirit is working in them. And so we pray together that they would open their hearts and their lives to you and that you would begin to transform them from the inside out Um, so that every person possible could find real life in your son, Jesus, and look more like him every day. Help that to happen here. In Jesus' name, amen. In case you were um, wondering, Holy Spirit works today just like he did on that first day, and his work can be seen any time the kingdom is, is working. So when we come together, Holy Spirit is present. When we share the gospel, when we share our story, when we talk about Jesus, Holy Spirit is present in in those moments, giving us the words and helping us get through um, those times. When followers gather in corporate worship like today and in private fellowship with one another, the Holy Spirit is there. And when followers share meals together uh, or share with those in need, the Holy Spirit is there. When followers pray together and for each other, Holy Spirit is there. And when followers care for one another and don't leave anyone behind, Holy Spirit is there. He is constantly working, constantly pointing us to Jesus, constantly bringing about what God has begun. It's the way that followers treat one another, you and I, in our community, as we share the gospel in the greater community that results in changed lives. And without the Spirit, we just can't be spiritual. So we've talked today about the Spirit um, coming. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about the phenomena of the Spirit. I think, go to the next slide, Julie. Uh, And that's up there. Anyway, um, everything changed when Spirit came. And next week, we're going to talk about the result of that, what happened in the greater church community once this comes. And so I hope that you'll join me um, next Sunday uh, for that. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope 
you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.